impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for showing you how to reach millions on the internet. Today, we are joined by Tracy Beavers. Tracy is a sales coach. Now, before you cringe, she shows you how to sell in a way that feels great to you, great to the people on the other side, and skyrockets your income. Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I'm excited to be here. No problem. If you know me, anything about me, you know that I love a great accent. Tracy has an amazing accent. Where are you from, Tracy? I do not have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who has an accent. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I know I have one. It's and it, and it fluctuates depending on who I'm with, which is funny. I am from North Little Rock, Arkansas, which is right outside the capital city of Little Rock. You have a great accent. This Thank is going to be a fun show. Thanks. So, Take me back to, you've been in sales and marketing for more than 20 years. So take me back to like where this started, how did, because I don't think most <laughs> people like graduate high school, they're like, I'm going into a career in sales. Right. And I am one of those weird people who love to talk about sales. Like, okay. when you, like just when you said, do you, did you just cringe when you said she was a sales coach? I'm like, that is so funny. Cause when you say the word sales, everybody goes, ew. Um, so it started for me, this is, I just realized this when you asked me this word at the start, um, when I was in elementary school, I have an older brother and an older sister and we were all in band and you know, the, the fundraisers that the band groups have every year. So we sold band candy. It was this really great high end, delicious candy. Okay. My sister's six years older. My brother's four years older. They were in the band. They were supposed to sell candy. Neither one of them wanted to do it. I said, I am going to sell this dang candy. So I got my red wagon out of the garage and loaded it up, took it all over the neighborhood, sold every last stitch. And I had a blast. And then when it came time for my brother to sell his, he was like, you go sell my van candy. I'm like, sure. That's awesome. So I, I actually, I did very similar things. This lady at my church gave me uh, like a truckload of light bulbs that uh -huh. the boxes were damaged. She worked at a light bulb factory. She's like, you can sell these. I went door to door for like three weeks and made a couple grand when I was like 10 selling light bulbs. Um, I was the same way money. though. All the stuff at school, like you remember, like they'd have those like fundraisers. I'd be like, I'll go do it. I'll go knock on doors. Like yep. I, but I was too young to know that it was a bad thing. I think my mom <laughs> thought I was crazy. My mom was like, you what? I was like, yeah, it'll be right. fine. And this is back in the day when it was safe to do so, to send your child out into the neighborhood to knock on doors. I still think it's safe, but that might be, that might be a topic for another time. Let's, right. uh, let's, let's keep going. So you sold all the candy, yeah, which is an easy sell, but then like oh, what yeah. happened when you graduated high school, would you college, like talk to us about how you like from there to here, mm -hmm. how'd it go? Yeah. So it's funny, you know, but nobody can resist a cute kid with candy. Um, that was easy. But so, and I did not graduate college thinking I wanted to go in sales. As a matter of fact, I went to college, I got a marketing degree, which is a great fit. Um, and then I took the first job I could find because I mean, I was out of college and I needed to pay some rent. 
And so I went to work for a major insurance company as a claims investigator. Didn't really even know what that meant. I just knew that they were going to pay me really well. And it was a job and my parents were thrilled. And so I actually had a 12 year career in that position and I really, really enjoyed it. And I probably would still be there if they hadn't downsized our company and reorganized in 2005 and closed hundreds of claims offices. But here's what the sales aspect of that was. All sales is, is building relationships, connecting with other human beings, listening to their stories, making a genuine connection, and then building it from there. And so as a claims investigator, you can imagine I'm meeting people at their worst possible time. Their house is burned down or they've wrecked their car or something terrible has happened. And I'm the one who's going to show up with the checkbook and make it all better. And I knew that not to be salesy, but I knew that I could make a difference in their life. I knew that I could make this better for them. And I wanted them to feel good. I wanted to sell them a great experience with me and with my company. And so that's what I did. And I realized through that process that a lot of what I did, even though it was called insurance and claims, there was a lot of sales to it. It was solidifying that relationship with that policyholder and making sure they felt loved. Well, I think so. Any, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, sales is definitely all about relationships. I mean, my favorite quote, my whole business is built on Zig Ziglar quote that sales is nothing more than the transference of certainty, excitement about what you sell from yourself to the other person. And you yes. do that through listening to them, building relationships. So I love that you approached insurance like that. I used to work in restaurants, um, and it was the same thing for me. I always enjoyed it because I was building experience. I worked in fine dining. Right. I got to make people smile. They were spending hundreds of dollars on dinner that they could have got for five bucks at McDonald's or whatever, right? But they, the experience, getting them excited about it and like really guiding them through it, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I want to point out for listeners out there, like what you're saying is sales is just about making people smile. Yep. Grant Cardone says, I mean, Grant Cardone said this, I don't love Grant Cardone all that much, but he says like, it's, you're selling every, every time you go anywhere, do anything you're selling, right? You're out in public. You're talking to somebody you are selling yourself. Why should that person be talking to you? Why should like, you know, the people who come out and just push on you and like make you feel bad. That's why sales feels bad. So let's, let's jump into that just for a second. Why do you think people cringe when they hear the world, the world, the word sales? Why do you think people cringe? I think people cringe because there's a lot of salesy people out there being super spammy and annoying and they've given the, the term a bad name. So I mean, how, what differentiates it for you? I mean, we kind of hinted on this with mm -hmm. the insurance game, but what happened after insurance to lead you yeah. on a sales career and how like you're smiling, she loves yeah. sales. Like she just lit up. Yeah. She's like, I love this. That's so fun. So after insurance, I had a couple of businesses with a best friend of mine. We didn't make any money, but we had a lot of fun and we were selling handbags. So that was a huge experience in inventory and customer relationships. And it's not about, it was about, you know, the, the customer wants to know what's in it for them. Why should they buy my handbag? What's in it for them? So telling them about the, the features, the benefits, showing them what it could do, all that. Then fast forward to, I got a divorce after a 12 year marriage. So I needed to get back into the real world as a W-2 employee with some benefits like pronto. And so I went into banking 
on the lending side. And I was in consumer loans. I worked in private banking, commercial lending, mortgage lending. At the base of that is all sales. That's all 100% it, sales, yeah. All day long. So as a mortgage loan officer, it was eat which kill. I was on straight commission and I had to show my clients why the mortgage loan I had structured for them was going to be a benefit for them and then turn around and go out in the community and be a relational person and build relationships with real estate agents and financial advisors and CPAs and attorneys who would send me their clients. So hang on, I want to touch that right there is a sale. Is it not like going, so many people say this, like, well, I could sell if I just had leads, go build relationships with the people that are going to send you. That's a sale. Exactly right. That is the key to, that is the way to start to be successful in sales is to go into the community, find your network. Don't approach them with what can I sell them or what are they going to buy from me? But approach them with, I'm Tracy Beavers. I want to get to know Steve Warner as a human being. Who are you, Steve? Tell me your story. Are you from here? Are you married? Not married? Kids? No kids? You know, I want to know about you. I want to learn about you. I want to, I want to build a relationship with you because you may not be my, a client for me on the face of it, but you may be my next collaboration partner. You may be my next, um, investor in my business. There's a place for everybody to fit in your business. And it's not always about what can they buy from you or what can I sell to them? Do you see what I mean? Because if you became a collaboration partner for me, a referral source, you might not be buying my product or service. And on the face of it, it doesn't look like I've sold you anything. But if you like me and we've built a relationship and you know that I'm not spammy and gross, you're going to refer me to your friends when they need a sales coach. That's a, I mean, that is like you hit on like the giant back end that so many people miss. I always like everybody that I meet in, I do a lot of networking. Yeah. They, they go into one of three buckets, right? Somebody that I can do business with, like mm-hmm. they're, they might be a client of mine someday. Then the middle bucket is they might refer clients to me. And the third bucket, like a lot of people miss that whole third bucket. The third bucket is we're just going to stay in touch because I like them and somewhere down the road, like people's lives change and the way that you build a giant network, it doesn't, it's not rocket science, Mm -hmm. be friendly, be interested. Mm -hmm. Yep. What I always do is if they give me a business card, which we don't do a lot of in-person stuff with business cards, I just write down one or two things on the back of the business card so that I can go home and remember it Mm -hmm. and then follow up with them in a month or two. Like, Hey, text, text, text. I mean, I, one of the things that I learned in networking too is after you meet somebody, send them a text on the way out the door five minutes later, because then you can go back through your text messages and you know, like it serves two purposes. You stick in their mind because no one does it. And two, anyway, so I love everything you just said. That's so good. Thanks. The let's talk a little bit about sales itself, because I, a lot of people have just heard that. Right. And they're like, ah, okay, maybe I think the We were talking about why people get squeamish around sales. And I think a lot of it is people have a hard time blurring that line of, well, I'm friendly with this person. If I ask them to buy something from me, they're suddenly going to see me in a bad light. They're going to judge me. They're not going to like me. What do you say to somebody? Do your clients ever come up with that? Oh, yeah. Because nobody wants to be annoying. Nobody wants to, you know, like cross the line and 
tick them off all of a sudden. And you don't want the other person to think that the only reason why you struck up a conversation with them was because you wanted to sell them something. I mean, I work with network marketers. I actually have been, I built two network marketing businesses very successfully and not in an annoying and spammy way. But there were so many of my colleagues in network marketing and now my clients that are told to literally go to a department store back when we could shop in person and, you know, be in the shoe department and strike up a conversation with somebody there that looks like they could be a good prospect for you. Well, that's just gross. That's not being a human being that you're not going to impress that person by complimenting them on their shoes and striking up a conversation. And then all of a sudden, Oh, would you like some nutritional supplements or skincare or, you know, it's like, wait, that just, we were, that's weird. That's not how human beings normally interact. So I think, I think people just think that to be successful in sales, you've got to go in and buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Okay. If you do that, you're like the guy who walks into the bar and sits down next to the girl and says, nice to meet you. Do you want to get married? And yeah, she's that, like, that doesn't work very well. Right. Pardon? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a ping pong. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a lot like dating. You can't just book the honeymoon the first time you meet somebody. I mean, you can, but I don't think that's going to go very well. <laughs> I don't think so either. So I want to go back. I want to know what you actually tell your clients to do. Like what's a tactic? Because I, I, I've had a ton of these conversations. People are like, I have the best thing in the world, but I'm scared to actually tell anyone what I do because they might not like me. Well, you can't, first of all, okay, let me, yes, let me walk down that road. So you have a great product. You have a great service. I am a sales coach. I know I'm confident in what I can offer. Um, when I meet somebody, that's not what I start with. They may say, what do you do? I'm going to say, I'm a sales coach. I help business owners just with overwhelm and frustration and all that. What do you do? And I'm going to there, I will answer their questions, but I'm not going to dominate the conversation. And I'm not going to say, you know, do you want to book a sales call? Or do you know, who do you know that needs a sales coach? Because that is very uh, self-serving. And that is not how you build a relationship. And so you get into conversation with that person and maybe they'll expose a need where you can help them. And that's when you could gently, subtly kind of say, Hey, you know, I help people overcome that. So if you ever want to talk about it, let me know. You've planted a seed. If they want your service or product in that moment, they'll tell you, but what you've done and, and at the end of it, what you come away with is a genuine conversation. They know what you do. They're aware of you, which is the first stage of sales is awareness. Mm -hmm. And then you want to put them just like you were saying, when you get home from a networking event, you've got their business cards. You're writing down things that, that you talked about. That is so brilliant. So many people don't do that. Then what you do is you put that person into your CRM system, your customer retention management system, whether that's a Rolodex with a box of index cards in it, or it's an Excel spreadsheet, or it's a software system with all the bells and whistles, but that person, their contact information, that conversation goes in there. Then that way you'll know when is the next right time for me to reach back out? You know, did, what did they mention about them and what did they indicate and what could be my next follow-up sales takes at least eight to 12 touches. And I think I heard on a podcast the other day that it's now 26 touches. And I'm like, that's a lot. That's it. But you have to plant the seed. 
they will remember you. They know you have a business. They're not stupid. And when they need you or when a friend needs you, they're going to remember you because in that moment, you weren't the salesperson. You were Steve Werner, the human being. So I think what you're saying, I agree with 100%. I'm going to toss a, a good softball to you. Okay. Um, a lot of people say, well, what? Do, how do you follow up? Because I don't just don't want to say like, buy my shit, right? Like, like, oh, hey, I haven't talked to you in three weeks. Hey, you know, I sell purses, right? I sell handbags. Do you want a handbag? How do you follow up? Because I agree, it takes a lot of touches. I will tell you, I had somebody reach out to me. I follow up with people pretty re religiously. Mm -hmm. um, I had somebody reach out. I hadn't heard from them in months, I think three or four months. And they got back to me and they said, thank you so much for following up. I always see your emails and I want to respond, but I'm busy, um, but I'm ready to move forward now. Mm -hmm. So any given marketplace, if you're listening to this, I'll just give you a tip. Then we're going to go back and give give the ball to Tracy. But 3% of any given marketplace is ready to buy what you have right now. If you're looking, let's talk about mortgages, right? If you're looking for a mortgage, new people buy new people. People buy a house, new house every three to five years. So if they're not ready to buy right now, mm -hmm. what can you do to follow up with them just to stay top of mind so that when they do become the 3%, you're the person they think of. That's how you have to think about follow-up. It's not buy my thing right now. It's mm -hmm. how can I provide some value? Mm -hmm. So I, I'll let yeah. you take it from there. And I love the real estate example. I'll give you an example of a client that, um, that I've worked with, a real estate agent. When she, um, she and I talked, she had been in real estate industry five years. This is going to blow your mind, but she had not been keeping track of any of the people she'd been meeting. She had a CRM system from her brokerage, a really good one, but it was so confusing for, to her, she wasn't using it. So all of those people that had come into open houses as potential buyers, potential, potential sellers, whether or not they were ready to do anything right then, she couldn't tell you who they were. And that made me sad for her because she was a top producer. And can you imagine how much further along in production she'd be if she had kept all that stuff? I'm so, really shocked that I'm, she was a top producer because that's... Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, for sure. I was like, what? Your numbers are what? And then I thought, God, your numbers could be 10 times. 10 times. Yeah. So in that example, the a great thing for, let's say you're in real estate um, or you're in mortgage lending. This is what I've seen in my area that works really well. So that person goes into um, the, the CRM system. And this is what my real estate agent does. And what my mortgage lender does send out a postcard. It's not super expensive or an email, like you're saying and add value to that person. As a real estate agent, when it's time for fall and winter, you need to remind your, your uh, clients to take the garden hose off the back of the house before the first freeze, to unplug the RPZ for their sprinkler system before the first freeze, to um, winterize the house. Okay, spring comes, spring clean out. Let's get your landscaping ready. Tips for weeds in your yard. You know, adding value, staying top of mind. They know what you do. You don't have to remind them. You don't have to say, Hey, want to buy a house? No. You mm -hmm. say, Hey, here's my name again. And here's some information for you that I've one real estate agent. She did the coolest thing. She sent out a coupon for you to go get to the local cupcake place locally owned. So she was supporting the local community and you could get a four pack of cupcakes on her. She's like, hey, it's spring. I'm excited. Hope you're excited. Sun's out. Go get some cupcakes. That's awesome. 
And so they go into the system where just like you're saying, you bring, you find a way to add value. So let's say you're selling skincare. So people you meet, they go into an email system. Let's say you've got an awesome newsletter. If you don't have one, you should, if you're in that industry. I used to send out one of my network marketing businesses is skincare. So I had a monthly newsletter. Was it all about skincare? No. Was it all about me? No. It was a little bit about me, like maybe a picture of my dog, maybe a picture of my husband and I where we traveled, a tip about skincare or what's on sale, and then a recipe or, you know, a, a motivational quote, something that they make them want to open the email, something that they're going to come away with thinking that Tracy girl, she's kind of cool. I like her emails. I want to open them because it's not all about buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And so there's different ways to nurture that. It's, I mean, you providing value, like my take on it is it doesn't have to be about the thing that you sell. It can be about the auxiliary of what you sell. So like you were talking with real estate, send them something about like local area happenings or unplug the hose, but it can also, I I want people to get this. I think you'll agree pretty, pretty much. Um, The people buy from people they know, like, and trust. That's the most important thing. It's not about your product. It's like 10% about your product, whatever it is, and 90% about you. So what can you do that people like? Tell them a joke, give them a motivational Mm -hmm. quote, make Make them smile. Yes. I just send out, I mean, I have like these little super cheesy thank you cards that I send out. Right. And they're just like funny. Thanks a ton. Um, There's a mustache one, but like Every time I send these out, I get a text and they're like, you made my day. Like that made me laugh. Because nobody sends a thank you note, a handwritten one anymore. I used to do that with my mortgage customers, with my skincare customers. I mean, two seconds, your address, I'll send you a thank you note for having me on the, on the show. It's, I mean, super, super easy to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm happy to, you can send me a thank you note, the, (laughs) the, like, I know people out there are like, but that takes time. We had, I'm going to, I'm going to rift on the real estate thing. We have, um, we have a realtor here that made a sale and then completely fell off the face of the earth, right? Showed up to the closing, didn't have anything to do with this, with the buyer, the person they were, they were representing the buyer between the moment the contract was signed and the closing. And the guy literally was pretty upset. Like he was like, I've been texting you and the girl, the, the girl said, that's not my, like, it doesn't really matter. And I was like, do you understand? Like I talked to her because she's, she was, she's trying to do all this lead gen. And I said, do you understand that he would have referred you to like 10 people if you just would have made him feel good. Instead, he felt like you were just after the money. And she's like, oh, that her response sadly was, oh, that takes work. <gasps> and I was like, well, that's why you're struggling. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, sending cards takes time or takes money or buying a CRM takes money, you're going to pay for your leads and the sales that you get one way or another. One of the exactly. fastest things you can do to increase your income and your rate of growth is to figure out the best way to pay for leads, mm-hmm. whether that is buying them. I don't think Facebook ads are the way to go for most people, but right find, a, find a place that you can get leads and it's going to cost you money. If it's following up, if it's going to network events and then following up with cards, following up with the CRM. So I want to give my tip for a CRM. I think you'll, I would love your thoughts on it, but like I touched on the the text message. If yeah. you text somebody, I didn't have a CRM for the longest time. I do now. 
Um, but I was, I was like, what's easy that I know I will stick to because I was the same way. I was like, this is way overwhelming. If I text somebody, when I meet them, I can go through my text messages. Mm -hmm. I know who you are because it's got your name. Your name contact has room for notes. I usually put just like three or four words so that I have a general idea because that'll jog my memory. But then going through my text messages, I can see the last time I texted you. I texted Tracy three weeks ago. She's a sales coach and, you know, like she mainly works with XYZ. She does some MLM. Cool. I'll know what to follow up with. That like that's a real easy free that's, CRM. It, that's great. It, and here's the thing: it doesn't have to be complicated. People ask me, "Well, what CRM system should I use?" My response is the one you're going to to actually use. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's keeping track of it through text message or you know using something like Salesforce or Seventeen Hats or one of those software programs. For Seventeen sure. Hats is great. I mean, even just having a Google spreadsheet. Yes. Is- it, anything you have is better than nothing. All you yeah. need is their name, a few keywords, and like the last time you contacted them. One that the what I use right now, um, it, which is completely free, is called Streak. It attaches oh. to your Gmail, and it works in your Gmail. So you can tag anyone in your Gmail, and it will tag them, and it will tell you the last time you emailed them. It will list all the conversations that you had, and you can set a reminder to follow up with them in three days, five days, two weeks, three weeks. That's really cool. And it's free. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, it's super simple. Anyway, I want to go um, back to, I want to go back to you. So talk to me a little bit because we're, we're starting to get people and they're like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can follow up with people. I understand. I don't need to just be about buying my stuff. What can you do to help people build confidence? Cause that's the main place that you shine is you help people that, that know they have something great, but are a little bit nervous. How do you help build their confidence? Sometimes it's as simple as, and I hate to use the word role-playing, because it's so gross. Nobody likes to role play, but practicing, we'll call it practicing instead. So truly one of the ways I gain confidence because I can talk to a brick wall, um, but I still, and I, and so public speaking doesn't bother me. I could speak to a room of five people or 500 people. Doesn't bother me. I still get a little nervous though. So what I do to make sure that I, that I don't go crazy with the nerves is I practice. And that's what I would say is sometimes with my clients, I'll say, okay, give me the next five people in your CRM system. Cause they're like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, pull them up, pull up their name. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's brainstorm it. And they'll give me their name. They'll say, okay, this is where I met him. This is who they're friends with. This is how we got connected. This is how the conversation went. And I'll say, okay, got it. Here's, here's how you need to follow up with this person again. Here's what, what you could say. And they, they're writing it all down. They're taking notes. And I say, look, before you hop on the phone or you send the text or whatever, because, well, let me back up. The first, the best connection is human face-to-face, right? Pandemic changed that. The next best connection would be Zoom or a video that you send them or an audio at the very least. People need to hear your voice if you can get a method where they will do that. So if you're sending them a text message, I like to use a video clip or Loom Um, or even just the audio feature on the text. You want them to hear your voice. You want them to hear the inflection because there's so much in the human language. One of the things I learned when I was a claims investigator, sitting in on tons of depositions, after I would go back and read the deposition after being there in in person, I realized there's a lot we actually don't say in words. 
we're conveying in inflection and tone and body language. And so it's so important for them to hear that because some of that gets lost in translation when you're texting and emailing. Um, but yeah, we just walk through each person and they start to gain confidence that way. They start to see that it's not rocket science, that it really is just being a human being. That's it. I mean, that really is it. Just having conversation. I think if you go into it without, without having sales in mind, like, yes, yeah, they, like they're going to know what you do. Instead, yeah. compliment them on something. Talk to yeah. them about what's going on with their day. How are your kids? Right. Soccer. Do you like to, what do you like to do on the weekends? Do you like to cook? Do you like to go out? Like find something that you have in common and just talk. Yes. The, I mean, it's not, it's not the end. It's not, it's not nearly as difficult. I, I still think people are really scared about being judged. That's the number one thing that like at the core, when I have this conversation that we seem to get to, yeah. I have to tell people like, you're going to be judged whether you're boring, mm -hmm. whether you're not like whatever you do, you're going to be judged one way or the other. So you might as well just be like, Hey, this is who I am. And this is what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit. We were talking about making a schedule before we got here. Like we went yeah. through some of the best practices. So you have like kind of a, a, a formula, a formula, a framework. That's the word I was looking for. You have a framework kind of that you take people through to help them gain confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna let you take it from there and talk about kind of, cause I think this is really big. Cause a lot of people get up in the morning and they're like, what do I do? I'm right. in sales. What do I do? Right. Yeah. Or who am I going to call on or whatever? Okay. So when my clients come to me, a lot of times they want to talk about marketing and sales and what's put on Facebook and all that other jazz before we dive into any of that, because I can teach you that stuff all day long, but if your schedule is a train wreck, you're not going to be able to implement anything that I tell you, let alone pay attention to it. So foundational piece that we start on first is let's talk about your schedule. Are you in reaction mode every day, all day long? And as a matter of fact, I did a Facebook live on this today in my group, because if you're in reaction mode, first of all, being a business owner is so hard anyway, being an entrepreneur, spelling the word entrepreneur is hard. I mean, so being one is really hard. Um, and so you don't want to add to that with being in reaction mode because reacting, reacting, reacting makes you exhausted. You can't think clearly, you can't be creative and it just sucks the fun out of it. So creating a schedule what we do first is we look for patterns in your day-to-day. -day. Um, look at your, I like for my clients to have a month right in front of them. And then I like for them to have the next week right in front of them. What I personally do is every Wednesday I sit down and I make my whole schedule for the whole following week, Sunday through Monday, so that I don't have any surprises because I don't like surprises. If your birthday's coming up next week, I better remember to put a card in the mail to you. Otherwise I'm going to feel bad. And I don't want, I don't want to feel bad. So I got to get it all mapped out. I put in all the things that I know I have. I know I have a podcast episode with Steve Warner. I know I have a doctor's appointment. I know I have, you know, the kids have parent teacher conference, whatever, soccer, plug all that in. Those are your knowns. Then you look at that tells you what your free time actually is we're because the other thing. Yeah. Cause the other thing is when we're producers and we're excited, we try to cram a whole bunch of stuff into one day then you don't get anything done. Then you feel bad. So you've got all your knowns. And then I like to encourage people to have a morning routine of some kind. I am not one of those people that's going to tell you that you can't check your cell phone. The minute you wake up out of bed, you've got to do something, whatever serves you. If it's, if you want to do meditation and yoga and, you know, watch the sunrise, 
knock yourself out. That's not a good morning routine for me. So I've got mindset. I know, I know I'm going to get up. I'm going to get these things done. Then I've got my knowns. Then I know where my blocks are to work on my business. And then the other thing we talk about is setting boundaries. So like one of my clients, her clients were running her schedule and she couldn't figure out why she didn't have any time to do anything. And I was like, Susan, I said, you're, you're letting the clients come in whenever they want. Of course, you're not going to get anything done. We have to be brave enough and confident enough to when, when you call me and say, Hey, can you meet tomorrow at two? I need to see if that's going to work for me. So what I say is, okay, so you've got your schedule. If something pops up, that's unexpected, take a pause and think, okay, does this have to be done by me? Does this have to be done right now? So if it has to be done by me, yes or no, no. Okay. We'll get there in a second. Has to be done by me. Yes. Does it have to be done by me right now? Probably not unless you are broken, bleeding or on fire. Truly. And so then it becomes a matter of, okay, I have to do this piece. Nobody else can do it. I'm going to find a time in the schedule I've already laid out to plug it in on my time, confidently knowing that that person will be okay with it. And I've got that plugged in then. Okay. So then go back to, does it have to be done by me? If the answer is no, then it's, can I delegate that out for free to one of my kids, to my spouse, to, you know, seriously. I mean, do I have to go to Kroger and get more blueberries? No, my two kids have cars and debit cards and I will pay them back and I will tip them. So, you know, you got it. You got to delegate it for, and delegating for free. If you've got a team of people, you're a business owner and you've got a team of people, you're already paying those people an hourly wage or a salary. So it's technically not free, but there's no reason why you can't add it on their duties as assigned. And then the other question is if you can't delegate it for free, can you hire it out for less money where you're going to make, like, let's say you're, you hourly make a hundred dollars an hour. If you could hire that out for $10 an hour, do it, do it it all day long. I mean, that's, the you're touching on some pretty complex uh, advanced strategies. We'll call it. I remember the first time I heard like buy your money back. It was uh, it was 2014, and like I think I'd made like 50k in my business, but I was like, I'm not paying somebody to do that. Like I, I'm gonna go wash my car. I'm gonna go mow the yard, and no. then like, but they're like, if you can hire that done for 30 bucks, and you're making a hundred dollars an hour, and like. Right. It took me, I would say it took me like a good two years to wrap my head around that. The the one thing that I'll add to it since we're on advanced strategies is if maybe you can do it and it's worth hourly wise, it would cost you more. But if it is not your strong suit, if you don't love it, if you don't enjoy it, there are some things in your business you're always going to have to do that you don't enjoy. But if you can get it done for a similar amount of money and you know it's going to be done good, I found that hiring out stuff I would, I'm a little, I think entrepreneurs were a little bit of control, right? Like we're like control, control, control. No one does it as good as I do. Right. I, Tim, I must've read the four hour work week, like five times. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to hire this out. And the minute I did it, it did take, it took like six weeks to get like the back and forth and get it to the place that I felt it was at least as good as what I did. But then that person, because they love doing it, started doing better than I could. And it got it off my plate. That's. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with sales, but it does right. have to do with drastically growing your business very quickly. Well, and then that, that release of, uh, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like I, I, just like you're saying, I 
I, my website and everything is housed in Kajabi. My courses are going to be housed in Kajabi. Do I like getting into Kajabi and doing the tech part? No, a million times. No, that's not in my zone of genius. So I'm hiring it out and I'm paying several hundred dollars. I mean, like a lot of hundred dollars, but it's, you know, and am I going to make that back at, with that same amount of time? No, not immediately, but the energy that I'm going to save the creative space, I'm going to save the overwhelm. I'm not going to feel that's going to help me move the needle in a different area. So I will eventually make that back. So sometimes it's not an apples for apples thing. And sometimes you can't quite put a price on the fact that it's not in your zone of genius and you don't love it. I mean, I talked to illustrate this point. I talked to a guy yesterday that has an email list of 80,000 people. Wow. That's a lot. It's huge list. He's massively talented at generating email opt-ins. The last time he emailed his list was, he was like, I think six months ago. And I said, why aren't you emailing more often? Like you need to email a couple times a week. I email daily. Like you need to get stuff in front because he, his struggle was sales. He wanted to do, he has an online product that is $49. And then he has a 197 offer. I said, if you emailed once a day or three times a week, or even once a week, you would make more sales than you're making right now. And right. he was like, it's too painful. And I said, so hire a copywriter. You, yes. He does videos. So right. he does a lot of video. The way he generates leads is through videos and podcasts. Mm -hmm. I said, hire a copywriter to listen to your videos, your podcasts, whatever, and write two or three emails. And he was like, I've never thought about that. That not that going to be expensive? I said, if you pay them a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, yeah. to write three emails a week. That's four sales. You have a list of 80,000 people mm -hmm. that will pay for itself instantly. Exactly. And he like, you could see the wheels turning. I'm going to follow up with him because I want to see if he did yeah. anything, but that's, you know, he could also take one of his great videos and insert that into an email. Just I send mean, it in the email. Hey, check this out. Than, yeah. That's actually better than words because you see a human being and you see their eyes and you're like, Ooh, what's that? I got to open it. Yeah, that's, I mean, super easy. Okay, I want to circle back to confidence, creating a schedule, being reactive. I'm actually going to call you out a little <laughs> oh, no. I put my phone, I like this is something, I read it in Damon John's book and it was about being reactive, yeah. responding versus reacting, right? I agree with you. If you feel like your business, if you feel like you are getting overrun by your clients, your schedule, you have to put boundaries up. You will feel so much better, yes. but you can't respond all the time. So- Damon John was talking about putting your phone in the other room. I started sleeping with my phone in the other room. I get up to an alarm clock. Mm -hmm. I get out of bed. I work out. I get, I, I do a very, I, my morning routine, including workout is an hour. Um, I write my goals down, like mm -hmm. long-term goals, like my year goals, my mm -hmm. quarterly goals. And then like, I do a little bit of a journal. Um, I don't look at my phone because the minute I look at my phone, what do I have? I have emails, I have texts. Um, I have a lot of incoming stuff that's going to cause me to be reactive. Everybody knows, all my clients know, everybody knows that I don't look at my phone until 11 a.m. Wow. That gives me time to then, I do, I I block myself. I used to do the same thing. I had my calendar was open from 9 a.m. to like 7 p.m. Yeah. But I couldn't get anything done. I blocked out two hours in the morning. So between 9 and 11, those, I work on the hardest thing that needs done in my business. Like what's yeah. the thing that's going to move the needle that I need to focus on? Right. I don't have any distractions. I haven't, I mean, I might, I don't have email open on my computer. Mm -hmm. um, people know that I don't check my email. I check it once at 11. And I usually check it later before I go to bed. Yeah. Um, but it's, 
doing that in my business, I can't tell you what to do, but putting my phone in the other room and not looking at it. I don't have kids. I don't have anyone who like is going to need it right now. Right. Everybody knows that. And it it took like, I think my mom was the one she's like, well, what if it's an emergency? I said, well, then it's just going to have to wait. Right. It'll be okay. It's two hours. You know, there's a do not disturb feature on the phone. And, and this is what I use when I go to sleep at night and the kids are not home yet because you know, they're, young adults and they they don't come home at a decent hour. Um, but on the do not disturb feature, they know to call if it's an emergency, if they text me, it's not going to come through, but yeah. I've got them set where the, so tell your mom, just say, mom, the phone will ring if it's you. Oh, it won't. Or, I, or maybe you I, don't want to do that. I have, well, I always have do not disturb on because I have so many contacts. Oh, gotcha. Um, my do not disturb is always on. And I don't, yeah. because that way I don't see incoming texts. I right. look at my phone. Like I have it on a set schedule. I'll look at it. I don't sit here and like, I don't, I purposely, like I put my phone away because I was, I was like, Oh, what's going on? Oh, what's this? Oh, oh yeah. Me- and I was like, you know what? That's stupid. Like I'm totally like, I would pick up my phone just because I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, focus on like, I should be reading a book. So like, I'm, I've become a little bit more thoughtful about my, like, what are my intentions and what am I going to do? Because, because creating a schedule, like I do the same thing. Like my schedule is now open from noon to four for calls. If it doesn't fit in, I have people all the time. Hey, it's an emergency. Can we jump in? Unless they're a VIP client and they're paying me like my high rate. No, you can get on the schedule. I'm sorry that I'm booked out. That's, that's how it is. Um, and it, it like, I think it does come back to confidence knowing that people actually, it has the, a lot of people I think are nervous. They're like, Ooh, if they, they're going to go to somebody else. Nope. All it does is what do you do when you can't have what you want? I want that more. Exactly. Or they think they're not going to like you. And, and my female clients have this problem more than my male clients because as women, we want everybody to be happy. You know, we don't want to tell anybody no. And you know, all that jazz. No, you've got to figure out what's going to work for you and be confident enough that if those people are your people, they'll still be there and they'll understand your schedule. I actually have had a couple of people because I have a boundary around weeknights and weekends. Mm-hmm. I am, I've, I lost a lot of ground with my kids and my uh, family time trying to build businesses and doing it on nights and weekends to the point where I was like, this is making me miserable. I'm not doing this anymore. And people know now I am fiercely protective of that. So it's like, Oh yeah. And so I had somebody that wanted to talk to me. Uh, it was a client and they were like, well, I I need to talk to you after I get off work at five 30. And I was like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to find something between my, I don't start my first client appointment until 10 30 and I don't take anybody after three 30. Yeah. That's, I mean, if they want to work with you, they'll figure it out. Exactly. That's they the, will. And if they don't figure it out, they were not meant for me. And that's where my confidence has to come in and my faith that the right people will come to me. They will. That's, I mean, that is a hundred percent it. I think it's that having that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of my, one of my favorite podcasts, we talked a lot about just having like the confidence to say, this is who I am. This is how I do business. Like everybody, I mean, I'm super likable. I love talking to people, but I have very firm boundaries. This is what we do. This is how it works. These are my costs. Um, So I want to touch on one other thing, which I think goes with sales. What do you do when somebody, I think a lot of people out there are get nervous around pricing, especially like coaches, consultants, stuff like that. Right. And they're like, well, I'm going to ask for this. And then it, 
what do you do when somebody asks for a discount or how do you help people price? How do you help people feel confident about their price? Mm-hmm. I'll let you. Yeah. Pricing is something we talk about for sure. With I talk about with my clients. Um, first of all, they, they, they worry that, especially if, you know, if they're, if they are representing a, a skincare company or a product company, those prices are set. They're confident in that. There's nothing they can do about that really, except that they could run a discount every now and then. But if you're a true entrepreneur business owner, whether you're a brick and mortar or service-based, like you're saying, you're setting your own rates. And so first of all, it depends on the structure of your business. So if you're global and virtual, um, your rate, you could pretty much, you could charge whatever you want. (laughs) I don't know that you'll get it, but you might find a few people that'll pay it. But by and large, when, especially if I'm dealing with somebody that's local here to me, we're going to talk about who are your competitors? What are they charging? What's the going rate in the area, in your geographic area, in your market? And if you are the only one in this area that does what you do, because I have a couple of clients that are so specialized, there's nobody around within a six hour radius that does what they do. So they're having to go like into the next big city mm-hmm. to find geographic, you know, by population and all of that demographic, demographic income level, population size, all that. You want to make sure that those things are jiving. But once you pretty much have done your market research and you know your sweet spot on your prices, then it becomes a matter of quoting it. And and I'm going to bring back my female clients again. They're going to hate me for saying this, but women are notorious for wanting to explain everything. Men, they come to, they give you an estimate. They say, here's the estimate. Let me know when you want to get on the schedule. Women, my women, my female clients will say, well, I feel like I've got to apologize for it or explain it. I'm like, no. No, you don't. Men, first of all, men don't do that. Why are you doing it? You know, if we have to have confidence that it, confidence in our ability to charge what we're worth and not sell ourselves short, because that does not feel good. Nothing is going to zap your energy faster than working for wages and rates that, that you know aren't going to pay your bills. And then you're just going to end up feeling worse. So set the pricing, state it with confidence. Don't look down. Don't apologize. Don't say, but don't try to explain it. Be real quiet. Let that person process what you're saying, process what you've just given them. It's I mean, negotiation. it's, it is all about having confidence. I mean, that yeah. really yeah. is. It's just about, this is what I do. This yeah. is how much it costs. Yeah. If you want to move forward and like, that's yeah, when do you want to get on the schedule? I think a lot of times people explain it. Cause I've seen guys do this too. Um, they explain it because it's our ego, right? We're like, it goes back to the features and benefits. Well, if I can tell them why it's so great, right. they're going to buy from me. So let right. me just start, boof, like yeah, word vomiting no. all over. This is amazing. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do this. All people care about is the outcome. If you have, this is like the sale, right? The sale is made up front. Become somebody that they know, like, and trust. Yes. Show them that you've gotten the result for somebody else, usually through a story about somebody that you've worked with in passing. Don't be pressing about it. Then they're going to ask you, well, okay, if we did work together, if we did do this, um, just let me know what it costs. Tell them the cost. And just like you said, this is what it costs. Yeah. If you'd like to work with me, I'll be happy to send a proposal over. Right. How do you you want to get started? Yeah. When do you want to get started? I've got, I've got two more openings next month. Do you? What would you like to do? Something very simple and then shut up, like zip it. And if they're going to say, you just gave them an option. So this is actually like in NLP, it would be called a double bind. They can either move forward. Yes. I would like one of those two spots you have next month, or I need to think about it. If they say they need to think about it, 
okay, cool. I understand you need to think about it. I'll give you some time. Just let me know, like, what, what do you need to think about? Like Mm -hmm. agree. And then if you want, you can ask why, um, if, if it's a real reason, then it's cool. Maybe it's just, they didn't know something. Well, I don't know. Does it include, um, if it's a real estate deal, it could include something with the listing. If it's whatever, they might have a reason you can, you can overcome the objection if they do cool. If they don't, okay, take some time, follow up with them later. Yes. Hey, it was great seeing you today. Tracy, let's chat. You know, I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes I'll say, so when, when, you know, absolutely take the time to think about it in the meantime, let me know if you have any other questions that pop up because there may be something you hadn't thought about while we're talking. And do you want me to check back with you next week? So I'm going to ask one more question because this is the thing that I see a lot of people because they, they don't want to have those kind of, it's uncomfortable. Right. So they're like, okay, I made the offer. They said they need to think about it. How do you follow up? What's your script or template or what do you, how should people follow up? Because I think people are like, well, if I follow up and I just say, Hey, Tracy, um, I'm just checking in. Like we had that conversation last week and do you want me to send over a proposal? Like, you know, that's not going to do anything. Right. You know, like, well, but if I just say like, how are your kids doing? I'm going to feel fake. Right. How do you, how and do you think you yeah. follow up? So what I try to do is, um, I try to get them to tell me when I should follow up. So I'll say, do you want me to check back with you? And here's the thing. If you say, do you want me to check back with you? Okay. If you say, when should I check back with you? They're going to tell you, give me a couple of weeks. No, that, that's not going to move them through your nurture sequence. That's not going to move them from awareness to, to purchase fast or any or real or not on the timeline you want. That's what I'm trying to say. So what I do is I just say to them, you want me to get back with you next week? Or, you know, when would be a good time for us to, when are you looking to get started? That's a good thing to say. When are you looking to get started? Well, then you'll know their timeline. So if you're talking about, if they're, if you're you're a painter and you're giving an estimate on painting their house and they're just, they're getting, they're in the, they're in the research stage, they're getting their estimates. A great thing to say would be, what is the timeline of your project? And they'll say, you know what? We were looking to start in about 30 to 60 days. We've got to get X, Y, and Z done first. Then we're going to bring the painters in. And you're like, cool, Why, would it be okay if I check back with you in about 45, 50 days? They're not gonna tell you no. Right, that's and all. And then, then you call them. That's my preferred method, like I said, or a, a video or something and just say, hey, I'm Tracy, I'm checking in. I, you know, I'm one of the gals that did a paint estimate for you. I hope that remodel process has gone well and smooth. Sometimes those you know, can be a lot more work than we think. Hope everything's okay. Um, are you still on your project timeline? You know, have you made any decisions about paint? And they'll tell you, yeah, we're about to make a decision. Awesome. I would love to do this for you. I would love to work together and make your home beautiful. Um, what, you know, were there any questions I could answer for you about how my team works, the products we use, things like that. And they'll tell you, um, and they may say, well, you know, uh, I got an estimate that was $500 less. Can you match it? At that point, you have to decide if that person is somebody you really want to work with. It may be worth doing the discount this time. If you feel like that person will be a good referral source for you, but what you're going to need to say is I don't do this for everybody, but yes, I will this time because I really want to work with you. So that at that point, it becomes your decision about whether or not you want to move forward with it. If people ask me, if I give a discount, like, um, somebody asked, 
well, if I give you a great testimonial, will you give me a discount? No. Yeah. I don't, I've, I've gotten that a few times. I'm like, nope, you should be giving me a great testimonial anyway. Yes. If I've done my job. Yeah. You're, you're, you yeah. And I don't discount my pricing like <laughs> end of end of it. Um, you touched on a couple things there, just like in the follow-up sequence, just overcoming objections. And one of the things that I have found works incredibly well, and it's what people want to hear is, I would really love to do this for you. I know we're a good fit and you can't lie. You can't be fake about it. But if you know they're a good fit, hey, Tracy, I like I really enjoy this conversation. I think we're going to be a great fit to work with together. I know that I can get you X, Y, Z outcome. This is what I do for people because you're my ideal client. I know that this is going to work out really, really well. And I'm excited about working with you Mm -hmm. that like having an honest conversation like that with somebody, people love hearing that. They're like, cool. This person actually wants to help me. They like me. This is going to be great. They want to be liked. People want, everybody wants a seat at the cool kids table. And they want to know that you want to work with them. Like that's, it's not that hard. And people, the client wants to know what's in it for them. We have to yeah. remember that. I can tell you why I'm a great sales coach all day long, but that's not going to make a connection. I've got to find out what is it that Steve needs? What can I give him and what's in it for him? And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm touching on that and I'm selling through giving a story, like you're saying, because stories sell, facts tell, yeah. stories sell. You've heard that before. Yeah, um, I teach stories, so. That's a- yeah, I, I love opening up a presentation with a story, opening up a story loop. Um, yeah, it works so incredibly work. well. Mm-hmm. All right, so Tracy, we're going to bring this. We've been, this has been a really good conversation. We have covered a lot of ground. Yes. Where can people go if they want to learn more about you? I would love that. I love meeting people, hearing their stories and, you know, seeing if there's any way that I can help them. So I have a website, it's tracybeavers.com and it's Tracy with a C-Y, beavers with an S on the end.com. I also can be found on Facebook, Tracy Lane Beavers. And my new Facebook group that I'm really excited about is Be a Confident Entrepreneur, Gain Confidence, Grow Your Income. And it's a place for business owners, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and even people that are W-2 employees, but they're in a sales role, can come, collaborate, learn about sales, talk about, you know, things that have worked, things that have fallen short, things that they'll never do again, big mistakes they've made. I mean, we've all made them. Um, but I, I'm, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, all of those will be linked down below in the show notes. So make sure to check them out to everybody out there watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people, and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show, and we'll see you next time.